0: Good morning. All right. Um, I get the privilege to read an amazing illustration of the parable of the lost son. Um, I think it's amazing that no matter how poor our decisions are, God not only accepts us, but he runs after us. A few years ago, I learned a little bit about the patriarchal society. So in Bible times, the people listening to this story, it would have been even more impactful to hear about a father running. That wasn't something that was honorable. So to have a father run after a wayward son... um, was incredible in that culture. Okay, read in verse 11 through 23 in chapter 15 of Luke. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant." So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. Well, Keith is one of the six elders at the church here. If you don't know him, get to know
1: him. I think it's the responsibility of the church you go to to know who your elders are. And he'll be around after church, too. As This summer, we're rotating elders to read the scriptures, and they're available to chat with you, and he get to know you, any concerns you have, to pray with you. So thank you, Keith, for serving that way. And let's open in a word of prayer here this morning. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, remind us of what is eternally important this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, raise your hand if you've ever been lost. Yes, many of us. Maybe maybe a double hand somewhere over there. Um, (laughs) I'm glad you made it to church today. Um, You know, I've been lost before. I remember going to a friend's house once, and his instructions were a little sketchy. He said, eventually you're going to need to take a a grass road, and it's going to feel like you're going the wrong way, but keep going. Well, guess what? I took the wrong grass road. And I'm like, boy, this doesn't feel right. But he said to keep going. And eventually, I ended up in the middle of a ski resort slope in the middle of summer. And that's when I realized, I looked up and I saw the, the, uh, the lift, the ski lift. I go, this is not my friend's house. <laughs> I, I am way off. What, what was I basing my direction on here? Uh, way off. And, um, you know, our culture is like that sometimes. You know, sometimes we refer to someone as lost. Or before we came to Christ, we refer to as when we were lost. That feeling of, where, where are we? Um, there's a TV show that had so many seasons called Lost. And I don't think it ever even, at the end, gave a good explanation of things. <laughs> and yet it just, every episode, you're wondering, I wonder if they're going to figure it out now, right? Or next season. Man, I, I think they're finally going to, f- it's all going to make sense why there's a polar bear on the island, you know? And it just never does. Okay, it just keeps stringing along. And it's, you know, our, again, our culture is like that. It, and maybe your life is like that. Maybe there's something in your life that just feels lost. And you're like, well, maybe tomorrow it's going to make sense. Because right now it certainly doesn't. <laughs> and I'm lost. The Bible is the most read book of all time. It's where people have looked in their lostness to understand about God, to understand about us, and to understand the story of how God found us. He created us in the very beginning, and we have each gone our own way. Beginning with Adam and Eve, we've been lost. And the Bible is what people have looked to over the centuries to find some answers. And frankly, our culture in some ways has given up finding answers. It's kind of that idea of, you know what, these episodes keep coming out and we're not getting any closer to the truth, are we? And so people start to get a little skeptical to say, you know what, I bet there's really no way we can even know. They even stop guessing sometimes. Just say, you know what, I give up. This doesn't make sense. I don't know where I am or what I'm doing here. Some people will confidently assert they know exactly what's going on and you say, what are you basing that off of? Well, I just felt like that was right. That's not a good answer, guys. The My Truth movement is not a good answer and yet culture after culture after culture no matter what the latest trend or the latest fad they looked to the bible for answers of how do we get out of this lostness here's another time i got lost it was a little harder to recover from this one we were on a road trip through colorado we were going from glenwood springs to the rocky mountain national park all right we're following the colorado river and i had my gps set to get us to our hotel well our gps never told me when to turn why is that? Because there's not a lot of cell phone towers in the middle of the Rockies. All right. And I finally figured it out as I'm driving along this river when it was no longer called the Colorado River. Oh boy. So I grab my phone. I'm like, well, let's see at least where we're at. Okay, no reception. Okay, well at least I can make a phone call. No, you can't make a phone. Your phone doesn't work, Rob. Right? Well, okay. Well, we're just going to keep going. We're looking. Are there some people around? No. There's cows on the road. All right. So we're driving along. We see this. Picture, And I start to realize, I don't really know what's going on, all right? There's no explanation, first of all. What does that mean? All right? Like, is that like, are the grazing cows? Or is that like, beware of charging bulls? I don't know. I don't know where I am anymore. I'm getting a little nervous. And so we keep driving. And the speed limit gets slower and slower. It's like, it tells you to go 15 miles an hour. And then it's just windy and windy. And yeah, there's cows on the road. So it's like, we're dodging them. And then we'll go to the next slide. We get to this one. What? I'm a Minnesota boy. I don't see this stuff. Alright? Elaine wanna to go to Colorado to see new things. Well here you go. Alright? Bighorn sheep. I so next 23 miles, okay? Where are we? Where There's gonna be bighorn sheep on the road for 23 miles. I had no clue where we were. So we kept going. And yeah, there we're sheep. Thank goodness when we I mean sun's going down, gas is getting low, I'm getting worried, okay? I'm like eventually we're at least gonna hit another state, right? If we keep going. So finally we get to a highway. Phone gets reception again, I've been found. I go to the nearest gas station, fill up, and we go to where we should have gone. Okay? But I was starting to panic, <laughs> starting to panic. And a week later, we were home, and I mentioned a dream I had last week, well, I'll tell you another one. A week later, we were home, and Elaine noticed I was sitting up in bed at night at wee hours of the morning, and I was looking out our second floor window. She goes, Rob, what are you doing? And I turn around, and I go, we're so lost. <laughs> And I just look right back out the window, and it's just like, "Rob, you're okay. You're home now." And I just, we're not even close, you know. So <laughs> stuck with me a little bit. Um, thankfully, I think I've worked most through most of my issues on that. But, you know, in some ways, we can look out the window to our world and say, "Man, we are so lost." And some people will tell us, "No, you're right at home." It's like we're not even close. You know, this Kingdom Come series, God coming to reign on the earth. Jesus talks a big game. He says it's coming. In some ways, it's here. And in other ways, we look out and it's like, yeah. And yet, we got to keep praying for that to come. For God's will to be done. For there to be peace in our lives. I don't know how much peace you have in your life. And yet, I kind of do know. I remember during worship this morning, I just stopped a couple moments just to listen to our church sing. And you guys were singing like you believed it to be true you were singing like one who's been found. You were singing like God is really there and that God is really here. And yet some of you might be visiting. Some of you might not be so sure if you've been found or not. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 15. Just like last week, there's three stories in a row where Jesus is making the same point. So it's kind of like the Baptist sermon. Three points, but it's the same point every time. Jesus is trying to let people know, hey, I'm going to tell you this three times so that if you misinterpret the first one, okay, the second one will make sense, you know? We're going to go after this three times in a row. And Jesus, he cared about the lost. Later in Luke 19, verse 10, it says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. A theme that covers the whole Bible. And so, as we turn the corner here into our first parable, I want to highlight three different things you're going to see here. And I color-coded them for you. There's this idea of being lost, all right? When you're like, hey, I thought the Rocky Mountains were going to be a little more rocky than this. All right, it's like, I don't get my bearings here, so you're lost. Second, you're going to see this idea of being found at great expense, at great cost, at great energy, being found. And last, there is rejoicing. There is joy in the house of the Lord over those who have been found. And it's just like our favorite hymn, Amazing Grace, where it says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am, what? Found. Was blind, but now I see. That's the story of the Christian life, is going from lost to being found. And so our first story is this. It's of a lost sheep. Now, I actually do have a neighbor that has a bunch of sheep out there now, but most of us don't have sheep as pets or in our yards. So I want you to think about, what if you lost your cat or your dog? Now, some of you parents might say, yes, okay? <laughs> and then you'd realize how heartbroken your kids would be, and then, what, you'd go out and you'd start looking for that animal, right? We, uh, we had a, installed a window unit for air, an air conditioner, and it's one of these with the tubes, and our doors, windows kind of a slide out. So anyways, cat's sitting on that thing. And I just, one night, I just got thinking, if that falls, am I going to have to go look for that cat? <laughs> And I asked Elaine, if that falls, will I have to go look for the cat? She said, nah. And then we laughed. And it, no, yeah, you probably, we probably would have to. We'd <laughs> have to go find that cat. And, um, and people go to great expense to find that lost dog and the last cat. You'll stay up late looking for that thing. And so here uh, is that story. And it begins in verse 3. Jesus tells a story. It says, If a man has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, i found my last sheep. So you see how it goes from being lost. Now the sheep, they didn't really find their way home here. It was a great cost and expense and effort of the owner of the sheep. Went out and found it. And then when he came back, there was a big celebration and rejoicing. That sheep had value, is what this story tells. That sheep has immense value. So then it gives... A summary here it says, "In the same way, there is even more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away." Jesus is telling this story because in the first two verses, it says that Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and notorious sinners, and the religious people came to him and said that he shouldn't do that anymore, that his priorities aren't straight. Imagine telling God that his priorities aren't straight, right? And that's what they were doing, so he tells them this story. And there's a little irony in this last line about the 99 righteous people. I wonder if he smiled a little bit when he said that. Because the rest of Scripture teaches us that there are none righteous, no, not one. And that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. What's really happening in this story is that these 99 sheep are lost. Ain't that a scary thing? The 99 that say, we're not lost. We're just taking the dirt road, and even if it feels like it ain't going anywhere, I think it'll turn out. Those 99 are lost. Our second story is of a lost coin. Now imagine losing your wallet. Anyone lost their wallet before? Yeah, not too excited thinking about that, right? That's a lot of work. It's like, all right, you just, it starts to dawn on you. How am I gonna replace that thing? I don't wanna to go to the DMV for a new license, okay? I don't wanna call all my credit card companies to issue a new card. Those gift cards, I don't even know how many I had in there that I haven't used yet, but I bet there's a few, let alone any cash. You look for it, right? It's worth your time and effort to spend a whole day looking for that wallet rather than the whole day looking to make phone calls. And so here someone loses something financially, and it says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. So she loses 10% of her wealth. So she She says, Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. You see the progression there again? Something valuable was lost. Great effort was made to find it. And when it was found, there was great rejoicing to show that that coin had value. In summary, it says, In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. That is something of eternal value. You know, we cheer over the Vikings. Actually, we probably weep more over them. All right. We cheer over sports teams. We think about the promotion we got. We think about the vacation we get to go on. As time goes on, I think it becomes more clear, hopefully, what's of eternal value? Are those that I love going to rejoice with me forever in heaven? I think a lot of us would trade that vacation... To spend paradise with one more, with one more. We get to the main text here of the day, the main story of a lost son. And we talked about a pet, we talked about a wallet, but imagine losing your child. Yesterday I was at a store with Hosanna and she crossed the aisle and I went and I chose the wrong aisle that I thought she went to and my heart skipped a little. Oh no, that was the wrong aisle. And then I went two over and there she was, smiling and running. Okay, we got a game going. She's dodging that here. Thankfully it was a small store, no big deal, but it gave a little jump. And here it talks about losing a son. A father losing a son. I'll pause right here just for a quick side note. It's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Fathers are important. I was researching that about one in four families in the U.S. in the last census did not have a biological father in the home. Fifty years ago, it was half that. I shudder to think if in 50 years it will be less common It'll be, it'll be more common to not have dad at home than to have dad if that trend continues. And so we need dads that are going to act like this. And so in verse, uh, we'll go to the next slide, please. Verse 20. So to summarize the story, there's two sons. One of them demands his inheritance. He goes away, he squanders it, and then starts to say that he's living in a pig pen. It says that no one gave him anything to help him out. He was dying of hunger, And he longed to go home because he was feeling really, really lost. And that's what sin will do. Sin won't leave you with anything. It'll steal and kill and destroy until there's nothing left. And this son hits rock bottom. He says, man, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. So he comes up with a plan. And in verse 20 here, it says, So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. The speech he rehearsed. And look at how the father responded. He didn't. Instead, his father said to his servants, Quick, bring out the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we've been fattening. For we must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost and now he is found. So the party began. I'm just struck at what a statement of the value placed on this kid. This kid thought he was nothing because the world didn't give him anything. He saw pigs eating better than him. He comes home to his dad. And there's something about dads that can give value to a kid. I don't quite fully understand how that all works. But for a son to hear their father call them a man, that's something. Okay? There's, there's value that we get in that, affirmed in that. And here God is saying, you know what, kid? You got value. You got value. And that's what these Pharisees needed to hear at the beginning of the story. He said, that's why I'm making the priorities that I am. It's because these people got value. I love them, and so should you. Ephesians, I think we looked at this earlier in worship, talks about the value that we each have in God's eyes. And we see these themes of being lost and being found and celebrating. It says that God, but God. Before this, it talks about how we were dead in our sins, that we used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. Verse 3 says we all used to live like that. We were just like everyone else. And then it says, great two words, but God. Something changed, not on our own effort, but God So rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead, we were lost because of our sins. He found us and he gave us new life when he raised Christ from the dead. Amen. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And that party is going to last forever as we are now seated with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. You got value. (laughs) And that value comes from a heavenly father, despite any wounds you've gotten from your earthly one. There's no perfect dad out there, and so I know we each have them, those wounds. Whether the good examples or the bad ones, it all points to a heavenly father. A heavenly father that runs to you, a heavenly father that embraces you and kisses you. And even when you say, God, I don't deserve to be here, he says, You are my son, and you are my daughter. And let's party. (laughs) As the last scripture said, let's party. This next slide here. We all were lost. And as the king of heaven comes down in search of us, we can be found. That king has come for each one of us. Like a lost sheep, like a lost coin, like a lost child, he is filled with love and compassion as he is running to you to embrace you, to kiss you, to celebrate you. And you may say, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And that's the beauty of it. It's that we're not worthy of God's love and yet he lavishes it on us. And so here we can be found in Jesus. We can be found in value. Despite what the world that's lost says about you, you can be found in God and know your worth And the beauty of the kingdom is that God wants us to be a part of what he is doing. And so we are to reflect that kingdom to others, to go find them, to give them worth. Praise God for that. Praise God that he gave his one and only son for us on the cross that we might be found. Happy Father's Day. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful to be part of a church where we can celebrate being found together. And I pray that you accept this last song of worship as an attitude of our thanks to you. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name,
0: amen.